on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. You know, but I just want to make sure not to brand ourselves as a faith-based company okay. as we put in out projects. But with that said, um, we're a company that's focused on putting out and supporting diverse voices. And in my opinion, faith-based films are part of that diversity that we want mm-hmm. to celebrate and support. You're listening to the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast, where we call faith-based filmmakers to cinematic excellence, bold storytelling, and sound theology. I'm writer-director and your host, Todd Schaefer. We have an exciting episode today, and one that may be marking a very interesting development in the film industry. Would you ever consider a faith filmmaker a voice of diversity? Well, it is, at least for a new independent film company called Mutiny Pictures. Mutiny is a new effort founded by Colleen Butler and producer Ben Yenny, who was my guest on this podcast back in April. Ben has been focused on helping independent filmmakers navigate the shark-infested waters of Hollywood, and now he's taking the next step by forming a company that will develop, market, and distribute their own projects. Colleen was part of the marketing effort of The Passion of the Christ. She spent many years working in marketing and development, and now she's the head of development at Mutiny. In this episode, we'll spend some time getting to know Colleen, talking with her about the marketing campaign for Passion, and then Ben is going to join us to talk about Mutiny Pictures. This is episode 39. Um, Colleen, welcome to the podcast. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and some of your experience in, in marketing? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having us. This is so exciting. Um, So my career, I started off doing media planning for studios. Um, Some of the larger ones like Warner Brothers and doing radio plans and Miramax. Then I actually started in my junior year of college um, doing this. And then I moved to Los Angeles, followed the dream of working for studios there. And I got hired at this place called the S. Callen Company. And that company specializes in independent films. Um, so I worked on it with studios such as IFC, IDP, New Market Films, mm. Sundance Channel. Wow. And I worked on so many different independent films at this job. Um, and what I learned was the specialty of marketing for these films and how important it is to have the right distributor for certain films. And I think how I got connected with you is that I, at that time, worked on The Passion of the Christ. And right. that one was released by New Market Films and who was heading up the studio at the time was Bob Burney. And I had met Bob when he was at IFC back when, when I was still in college and I, I worked with him there. And um, Bob was just at the time, they called him the man with the golden touch um, in the independent film world. He was amazing and put out this film and it just took on a life of its own. Um, and I, I think Bob knew it was going to do well, you know, because he acquired it. Um, and but I think the world at the time was shocked by how well this did. You know, it's the highest grossing film uh, of the time. And um, so it was at that job that I really learned how to market independent films. And I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to talk to you about this film in relation to marketing independent films in general, because a lot of what I learned at this job applies to faith-based films because most of them are independent at the end of the day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an incredible 
project to work on for sure. It lasted about, I think, weeks. <laughs> Pretty insane. So Passion was a really unique project. It, uh, I remember people saying that this thing was not going to do well at the box office. It was Mel Gibson's folly because he'd spent so much money on it and he was doing just crazy things with it. Like um, uh, it, was, it was coming out as an R-rated film. It was politically incorrect. It was in Latin. And uh, everyone just thought this thing was going to dog at the box office. But you guys somehow pulled it together. You had a great product. You believed in the product. Um, talk to me about what, what actually happened there. Because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people curious about how this film managed to enter the marketplace and do so well. Um, so I think for this project, um, it was a team effort. You know, the booker uh, for this movie, so the booker is the person who books all the theaters, right? Um, he just managed to really know in depth, like the markets where this would do well, right? You know, we started off with like the major markets, I think, um, and then we moved into the smaller markets and he, he got us into 3000 theaters, which is pretty incredible for an independent film, right? To go into that many theaters. Yeah. So that aspect of it did really well. And then also on the publicity end, um, at the time, Bob Bernie's wife, Jeannie Bernie was working publicity and she you know, did a lot of reach out, which is something that I can touch on later in this is um, working with churches, um, getting the local big congregations and the smaller congregations to get maybe advanced screening to go see the film, um, you know, getting publicity in that end. So I think that really made a difference for this film um, is reaching those markets that usually don't uh, get big releases like this. So, um, and then it just took on a life of its own after that. <laughs> um, it really, like I said, it lasted for about 46 weeks and we ran, um, so my job in this was doing the print campaign and so we ran it in these markets across the country and newspaper ads. And I think that that worked really well as well, because again, back then there weren't as, you know, there weren't Facebook groups, there weren't these online groups that people have now. Um, so print was really the best way to reach these people back then. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine that that was so long ago that print was still huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It came out, yeah, I was surprised by how long, because, you know, all these these years blend together, and I was like, wow, it did, it came out quite a while ago, and there hasn't been anything like that, yeah. that really um, moved out beyond the faith-based audience into the mainstream, um, and I just feel like there's such an opportunity um, with these types of films to branch out like that one did. Oh. I mean, I think, I think it, it not only came out as a faith-based, a really strong faith-based film, but... You know, I, I think it came out as a film that had all the wrong ingredients and yet because it had a really good director behind it who had a very strong vision and was able to pull a good story together, um, it sort of demonstrated this, the strength of just having a good person behind a project um, that, you know, may not look good on paper or may not pitch well, but um, has a successful um has a potential for success that isn't anticipated. Right, yeah, it was, 
yeah, I'm sure it was a tough sell just based along on having subtitles, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you have this ancient language and uh, I, I'm just, I'm sure there were people trying to convince him not to use the subtitles, but yeah. it worked. You know, I just watched it, like I said um, earlier this week, and it's such a powerful film. Um, and, it, you know, it's the most important story from the Bible, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Of course, I think in that regard, it would have gotten attention, but because of the powerful performances and this, the use of language and obviously the cinematography, cinematography is amazing. Um, I think all of that coming together and finding the right distributor is what really made the difference for this film because it took the audience really seriously, you know, um, and brought this film to, that people were eager to see um, and in the correct way. So your marketing uh, work on this, uh, was this unusual compared to other things that you had done before in, in marketing films or was it the same kind of, of approach? Yeah, so the thing that I loved about working at this, this particular company was we, I worked on the broad range of independent films. So at the same time as I was working on Passion of the Christ, I, you know, had also released Monster, which was a Charlize Theron movie where she won the Academy Award. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that one was also somewhat controversial. It was, you know, somewhat violent. It was about this serial killer, prostitute, you know. Um, yeah. So way different audience. Um, and that was released by the same studio that released Passion of the Christ. Oh, okay. um, um, and also the same studio released Whale Rider, which was another film um, set in New Zealand um, with this indigenous community. Very, but that one also took on a life of its own. Um, you know, I don't think they were expecting that one to be as popular. And I worked on Super Size Me. I don't know if you remember that documentary where oh, he, yeah. he went, yeah, he ordered everything super sized at yeah. McDonald's for a year. And uh, so, you know, all of those four movies just had such different audiences. So I think, um, to get back to your question, I think it's just um, really learning. I learned really how to market independent films and really do each film justice individually, like just looking at the film itself, like where would this movie be a fit? Um, right. Who would be most, most likely to see that? So how did you and Ben now come together? And, and tell me a little bit about this this company that you're forming together. Colleen and I met through a mutual contact named uh, Debbie Brubaker, um, who's essentially the queen of San Francisco independent film. Hmm. Um, she is known for being a uh, line producer, UPM, and co-producer on films like Big Eyes, Blue Jasmine, uh, When We Rise, Sorry to Bother You. And Debbie and I have been friends for quite a while. We produced a few workshops together and uh, eventually she just brought Colleen to one of the financing workshops I did. We had a meeting after and we've it got on like a house on fire and we've been working together since and it's been a bit over a year yeah it seems like you you two were sort of made for your, for each other as I, i'm hearing i know your background ben and i hear her background and your strong desire for independent film uh that that seems like it's a good match so tell me a little bit about mutiny so mutiny is a uh, partnership between uh four people mainly um there's me and Colleen, and there's also 
uh, Michael and Josh. And Josh was the director of a film called Goodland and that I represented it. And Michael was the person who distributed it. And he did a fantastic job on that movie. And after he left where he was at the time that uh, we were working on that movie together, um, he asked if we wanted to join forces and start something new. And I brought Colleen on because we thought, uh, because we all thought it would be a really good idea to have uh, more of a development and marketing arm because her contacts are different from Michael's. So between mm -hmm. all of us, we have a really functional company with really deep penetration uh, throughout the in in industry. So uh, what kind of project are you looking to be doing? At this point, we're really looking for anything that we feel we can do a really good job of selling. Mm -hmm. um, and Michael, uh, since I was last on your podcast, Todd, um, we found out that Michael actually has a decent track record in selling faith-based films. Oh. Um, and that's something that he did as a subsidiary of his past company. Um, and he's apparently, he's done a lot with, uh, selling church screenings, uh, as well as just working on, uh, as well as doing promotional campaigns and direct outreach through places, through organizations like K-Love and, uh, some other stuff there. So he's, uh, we spoke with him and he'd be very interested in working on more faith-based content. Um, we're probably going to be pretty picky to start about it because anytime you're dipping your toes into a new market, uh, you kind of have to be. Between Michael and Colleen, you guys got a pretty strong force with experience in the faith-based market. So it seems like you'll be doing a lot of faith-based. No, I think, yeah, what Ben said, I mean, I think we're, we're going to be doing a lot of independent based film, right? All independent. Um, okay. But I think we're, we are going to be picky. You know, I, I would love to do another Passion of the Christ. But I think if we were to take a serious look at a project, they should have, um, you know, a strong script. We, you know, things like uh, having right. a name attached. Obviously, Mel Gibson <laughs> made a big difference with that. Um, but we'd be looking for projects along those lines, ones that would be easier to sell more on the mass market kind of side. Mm -hmm. um, but we would take a look at everything, you know, but I just want to make sure not to brand ourselves as a faith-based company okay. as we put in out projects. But with that said, um, we're a company that's focused on putting out and supporting diverse voices. And in my opinion, faith-based films are part of that diversity that we want mm -hmm. to celebrate and support. Um, so, and also, like I said earlier, the, they, they are independent films too, at the end of the day. So in that regard, we will be supporting them. And I think with Michael and I, with our experience um, on these films, we could really do justice and it would be in good hands if we were to find a solid project with a mm -hmm. faith-based kind of focus like that. Right. So other than Passion of the Christ, are there any other faith-based films that um, sort of tickle your fancy as the kind of film you'd be looking for? 
Well, I think we're really looking for atypical takes on the standard faith-based narrative, uh, kind mm. of like how uh, Passion was, but things that aren't just um, Bible verse guides to plot point, uh, to the right. first plot point, then to the second, to the third, all of that. We're looking for things that are a little bit more breaking from the traditional redemptive arc and adding a little bit more of other cinematic elements like thriller elements, um, Comedy elements are really good if they're actually funny um, and can have a decent level of appeal there, but that's always subjective, so it's kind of hard to tell. But um, adding things that aren't necessarily just drama, feel bad, followed by feel good, and have some other uh, strong uh, arcs and emotions in them yeah. i think are things that we'd be really interested in exploring uh within for the faith-based community i think you're hitting a a part of the market that really isn't being touched much yeah and i, I think with our between michael and i we, we really could do justice on a film you know get it across the country um especially in these times we're in, you know in this global pandemic it's like what's going on with theaters <laughs> um i i yeah. I still think we could hit it out of the park, even with what's going on um, between the two of us getting in it, getting it to these communities. Um, so, I mean, I'd love to see, you know, scripts, like Ben said, that really have a, a unique take on the, there's so many powerful stories in the Bible um, and uh, interesting, simple stories too, you know, ones that uh, would make good, great films. So yeah, I just uh, love to see projects like that and, um, projects that really, um, I guess, could appeal beyond just a faith-based audience? My take on some of the faith bases, it, it, it would satisfy itself being sort of like a Hallmark Channel production rather than a cinematic theatrical film. And it sounds to me like you guys are looking for the cinematic kinds of films that don't just, yeah. aren't just serving a story for the sake of um, meeting a faith-based requirement, but it's actually a film, and it's using this, the all the grammar and elements of good filmmaking to uh, tell a good story. Exactly. Yeah, you said it right. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say, Todd, it's interesting. When I was preparing to speak with you, I was looking at the projects we have in development, and um, we actually have somewhat of a faith-based element to a couple of the scripts we're working on right now. Hmm. Um, one of them is D.B. Cooper. I don't know, are you familiar with D.B. Cooper, Todd? No, I'm not. Okay, so D.B. Cooper uh, is considered one of the, um, well, it's the most famous hijacking story from the mm -hmm. 70s. Um, and it's unsolved, completely unsolved. So this man hijacked a plane and um, had asked the FBI for what the, what the equivalent is of a million dollars in today's money. And he has asked for multiple parachutes and he ended up jumping from the plane and escaping in the woods of Washington. And so our story that we're developing is told from the perspective of the flight attendant who sat next to D.B. Cooper throughout the whole flight. Mm. All we have on D.B. Cooper is just one sketch, one police sketch that Tina Mucklow, the, uh, the main character in our story, um, had put together. So she had talked, she had sat next to him for the equivalent of about two hours of this flight negotiating with the FBI. She was the, you know, lighting his cigarettes while he had his finger on the trigger for a bomb that he was going to 
set off and, you know, kill everyone on the plane. So Tina Mucklow actually became a nun um, in real life. Um, she lives in Oregon. And um, so the story actually has a lot of faith in it because of Tina. You know, mm. she, she carried a Bible with her everywhere she went and she, she'd pray while she was sitting next to D.B. Cooper. So we have that element in the script. And um, I thought that was interesting when I was looking at our projects. I was like, wow, we actually have <laughs> some faith-based elements in our projects at the moment. Um, and her story is so interesting. And I, I, I love this take of D.B. Cooper is, is telling it from her point of view. Interesting. So are, in your faith-based films, are you looking for things that are real stories about real people? Uh, are you looking for things that are more fictional or you're, it doesn't matter to you? Um, I don't think it matters. Um, I think it is, as long as it's a good story, okay. you know, what do you good. think, Ben? Yeah, I agree. Um, on the acquisitions front, a couple of our upcoming uh, releases also have at least some degree of uh, faith elements in them as well. I wouldn't go so far as to call them faith based films, but one of them in particular deals with uh, guardian angels in a pretty heavy way. Yeah, we don't have any faith-based films right now, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All no, very... There are a fair few with elements. Of yeah. It. Which is actually something a lot of faith-based filmmakers want to do. They don't want to be sort of pigeonholed into the faith-based um, you know, rubric that we have now. They want to be branching out into other things that are telling strong stories. And... I would say that in general, um, that that's a, probably a good instinct, even if it makes it slightly harder to sell. I just say to anyone listening who's in the process of developing their film, um, I would say it's probably worth considering that there is a line where it is no longer really a faith-based film at all. Um, so it's important to keep in mind that uh, you do have that you have to learn what rules you can and can't break. I know a lot of filmmakers feel like the general faith based faith based rubric is pretty strict and hard to follow, yeah. but there are uh, there are still some things that you have to understand what you can and can't do before you alienate your uh, demographic entirely. I think I think some yeah. of those I think some of those. Um guidelines uh they they can be fudged and i think if they're done well if you break them well then you don't need those guidelines because i i know about those guidelines um and, and different studios have different guidelines for what they will do and what they won't do but to me if there's a really good story um it's going to find an audience somewhere I completely agree. And whenever we are talking about releasing a film, we start with the largest core audience we can uh, yeah. reasonably reach uh, in a cost-effective way. And that's why this faith-based distinction matters. Mm. Um, if you want to, you want to be, if you are a person of faith uh, and you at least, somewhat and you want to keep elements of faith in your films it is it would be wise to keep enough elements of uh those in your films that you can start with that core yes. audience because they're more likely to accept it right and actually buy it 
And that's the only way you're going to be able to grow out of that niche is if you can find an echo chamber through which you can rise above the white. Yeah. And I meant echo cham chamber, yeah. not echo chamber. But yeah. <laughs> it sounded cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So what kind of budget range are you looking at in terms of these films? If it's if we're talking about acquiring completed films, we'll look at basically anything. Um, it just comes down to uh, mar uh, to marketability and production quality. Mm -hmm. um, and like, if you make a film that meets everything we need in a safe manner um, for five hundred dollars, yeah, we'll probably distribute it. It's hard <laughs> to do that, yeah. um, but if you can, great. Um, when it comes to uh, distributing your, or when it comes to more development, um, that, that's a bit more of a subjective question that I feel like I might uh, punt over to uh, Colleen. Mm. I think for me, it would just come down to the story, what, who's attached, the names. Uh, um, so I'd be open to any budget, you know, if it's, it helps to sell it if there's some sort of castability attached to it. So if there's a strong role, um, then we probably, so part of my job in development is not just helping with get the script in, you know, in a good place, but it's also bringing to the table with the elements I think that would help us fund it or, or sell it. Um, so I would look at it that way, like how, where could I find a home for this film is the story strong enough to attract some level of talent that could help me sell it, a director that could really, you know, bring together the story. Um, so it'd be, you know, just really looking at the whole picture, but it starts with having the strong story. And then I think going from there, I think with, during this time with COVID and everything, budgets are all going up, I would say by a third at the very least, just to do protocols. So um, wow. I think, the what's considered an independent film budget wise is changing um because of covid um so it's going to be interesting to see but yeah i'll be looking at some of that too you know what is realistic to shoot right now um you know so i'll be looking at some of that too when i review story or scripts is uh how you know if it has big crowd scenes for instance that's going to yeah. increase budget you know I, but i'll look at anything like ben said if it's a strong story i would just come to the table and try to figure out what what elements i could add to it that would help me sell it or pitch it places so if someone came to you with passion of the christ before it was made what would your take be uh i would do exactly what they did you know bring someone on a name like mel gibson you know mm -hmm. um that's kind of what i'm doing like for for D.B. Cooper, to be honest, you know, it's an mm. independent film, but, um, you know, I'm trying pitching it out to, you know, big name directors that are interested in real life stories, um, action, real life stories. So, you know, you can think, I'm sure as a movie watcher yourself, you know, you can think of, in your mind of directors that have put forth those kinds of movies. So that, that's, that's probably what I would have done is, you know, Mel Gibson, bring in a Jim Caviezel, you know, a strong, strong actors and talent. Um, mm -hmm. And then I know that Mel had trouble selling that one, which is amazing <laughs> to me. Yeah. But um, I think he probably met Bob and just knew Bob could do it justice. And that's kind of how I feel about our company, you know, Mutiny Pictures is that we really, we can do justice to these movies, you know, we can put them out in a way that makes sense for each movie. We look at each movie in its own silo, you know, and uh, really take care of 
take care of each filmmaker and film so they can continue to do the work that they do well, you know? Right. Right. So how many films are you looking to produce or acquire or release each year? Um, so the, let's start with uh, releasing because I, we, there's a lot more separation than you might think between the development and acquisition and mm. distribution arm. But for releasing our end goal, which we won't make this year, is to release one top level prestige A-level release per month, one that's slightly below that, and then three to five uh, third window, meaning uh, older content or um, content that after watching, we just have a frank conversation with the filmmaker saying, look, there's not a lot we can do with this and pretty much anybody else you'd take it to wouldn't be able to do a heck of a lot with it either. Um, it's got issues with X, Y, and Z, and this is why we feel this way. Uh, if you like, we would take this out, but we would really just be doing a straight uh, aggregation and uh, SVOD, S, uh, low tier SVOD and AVOD release on this mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit of physical media, MOD here and there. Mm -hmm. But um but as such our recoupable expenses will be very low and you'll still be paid from the first deal mm -hmm. by us and that's basically where it would be whereas it, it's a very different thing when we're talking about acquiring an a-level release um right. so yeah that's a uh but we still do want to help filmmakers we see promise in um not get chewed up and spit out by the bad sales agents out yeah. there so we would still do what we can but what we can do is highly dependent on what we were brought and there is one other thing that i would like to add before letting uh colleen talk a little bit more about uh development on this is that part of the reason that we are really excited to actually have a development arm is that after going through the distribution process with filmmakers who bring us their first feature or second feature or however many features, if we like working with them, we start moving them over to the development arm. We're already doing that with the filmmaker from our first film. Oh, cool. So it's, yeah, it's just a, uh, once they've become tested by doing their first feature, it's incredibly easier for us to pitch them to a lot of our uh, higher level contacts because we can already show a track record for them. Mm -hmm. And um, it, so it ends up as a mutually beneficial arrangement. For sure, for and sure. And we already know that they're gonna be good to work with because we've already worked with them. Yeah. So, yeah. so Colleen, did you have anything to add to that in terms of development? Yeah, so I, I would say January of this year, if you had asked me this and we had this interview then, I would say I want to do two movies a year. Um, and that is actually what I had told Ben when we first started talking about forming a company. And then, you know, all of a sudden March hits and we're in this pandemic. Um, so everything kind of got put on hold. You know, we, we were pit, all set to start pitching things at studios when all this, this hit. So... I would say my goal is this year to have something shot by the end of this year um, and then, you know, see how next year goes. But we're kind of pivoting a little bit because 
some of the films I'm not sure we'll be able to shoot until there is some sort of vaccine in place. Uh, like D.B. Cooper takes place on an airplane. So um, maybe we may not be able to shoot that one realistically in the next year. Um, but some of our other projects that I'm pivoting to are ones that we could shoot in the next year uh, if, if you quarantine the crew and the cast you know, prior to shooting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'd say overall my goal is to do two a year in normal days. <laughs> so will you each be responsible for a number of films or that would be the, the whole output of, of mutiny in terms of development? I think we could probably do, uh, it, it depends on exactly how involved we are in development because there are a couple of different things we can do with development. Um, some of that would be like there would be certain projects that we'd be more likely to essentially sell off to mm. a network when have very limited involvement after that. And if we can do, and the amount of time we need to do to do those is very different from the ones that we're actively involved in production ourselves um, to some degree. And I think that that is, uh, so I think that our output will depend on what we need to do on each project, which is something that uh, some people may consider just like a duh stance, but it's more yeah. complicated than you'd think in some measures. So like co-productions and partnering with other production companies that might have a project on, that's that's something that you're open to? Yeah, definitely. Um, the uh, It just depends on what they need from yeah. us and what we, like, I don't ever really, I don't see us ever being a full production company. I can sell us being a development company. Mm. We are already. I can see us being a distribution company. We are already. I don't ever think we really want to play in the middle of that. I think that we would be more likely to develop a network of strong production houses and production companies that we work with to actually do the filmmaking itself after we've packaged it and gotten it funded for them, basically. Yeah. And that's a, it's just more where our skill sets lie. That sound about right, Colleen? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think bringing up Debbie Brubaker again, we kind of have her on board to do the, you know, manage the productions themselves. Whenever we can, we, we would work with Debbie. Um, but yeah, really, I, I see my job as just bringing everything together, you know, making, sh you know, bringing the right talent to each project and really doing justice to the script um, and the writer itself. So your distribution strategy might change or you're going to keep your same distribution strategy that you've been using? Um, for now, I think that's going to be it moving forward. Um, it's going to depend a lot on uh, how well the first year goes, frankly. Um, if it goes extremely well um, and we're in a financial position, we can afford to scale up and take uh, more films and bigger risks, we probably will. But um, at some point, we're going to max out on what our team's capable of to give the film, each film the attention it needs, and we don't want to move beyond that. Sure. And it's a, um, and un at least not until we can find reliable staff to right. help with that. But that's way too early to talk about, frankly. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> we're like three weeks in, so. Um... Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's exciting. That's where it really gets cool. 
<laughs> yeah, we're three weeks in, Ben. I, it seems like we've been together for months. <laughs> doing I mean, we kind of have been. We were three weeks from Yeah. I mean, this is really cool, guys. I mean, I mean, I'm really excited to see what you will do. Um, it, it's it's nice to see another company um, taking a leap into faith-oriented films and to see what you do with them because I think this is a, a genre that has boundless potential, and uh, we've only begun to scratch the surface. So um, um, it's just great to have another voice out there that's that's allowing this kind of thing to take place. We are looking for, pro we are uh, currently reviewing projects, both completed and in development. Um, and you can submit, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and have one, um, you can reach out to us via submissions at unitypictures.com. Uh, if it's development, please do not attach a script. Um, we will request one if you want right. one, if we want one rather, right. and we will actually send you a clearance form before we will take one from you. If you send it without that, uh, we will just delete the email and delete and block the email without yeah. opening. I wish we could be nicer about that, but we really can't. Um, now there's so, le legal issues around that for sure. Um, yeah. So you're looking to have people pitch you by phone or by document like a pitch document or query letter that sort of thing uh query letters are good um treatments are good on development um if you have lookbooks or decks or anything like that uh that would be great for development colleen am i forgetting anything now that you know i usually start with a log line and synopsis and i go through it with uh, i have a couple of people that help me look over because i get so many submissions um so I would start with a log line and synopsis, and then if I find it interesting, I would do a deeper dive and ask for a lookbook or um, a, 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 um, some sort of treatment. Okay, cool. Yeah, and on the completion, completed end, um, we'd want to see a log line, a genre, trailer if you have it, screener definitely either way. Um, if it's completed, we really do need to have a screener. We prefer a password protected Vimeo link if it's possible. Mm -hmm. um, unlisted YouTube can work, but it's better to do the Vimeo for basically everyone. Um, and just as an idea here, um, because I know a lot of people get a little sketchy about sending screeners like that. Even if we were to be able to find a way to download that screener, there is nothing <laughs> we could do with it. It is the, the file type we would get from it is useless to us. Yeah. So that just information for you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Good. Anything else on, on your mind? No, Todd, I think that's really great that you have this podcast for this audience. Um, I was excited when Ben introduced me to you because of my experience on Passion of the Christ. Mm. It's always been in the back of my mind, you know, this movie somewhat changed the trajectory of my personal career. You know, I just saw that there was such a demand out there for a movie like this. And mm -hmm. it's shocking to me that there hasn't been one since, and it's so yeah. long at this stage. So I really, I think I, I find it admirable that you have this podcast and I hope um, anyone listening that um, has a story they're excited to tell and 
wants to bring passion to the project, um, that they would be in good hands with us. You know, we, we definitely would do, we would do it well, you know, I think with, mm. with the four of us, our minds together on it. Um, so yeah, please feel free to reach out. Well, you guys are, you got a lot of experience and, uh, um, desire for this thing. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it will be in good hands with you guys. Well, thank you. I thank you for including me in your launch of this new effort. I wish you great luck with this and, uh, please keep me in uh, up to date on what you're doing and what's being released. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for taking the time. This is really great, Ted. You can find Mutiny Pictures on the web at mutinypictures.com. If you want to submit a logline and synopsis to them, you can send an email to submissions at mutinypictures.com. This information will be included in the show notes of this episode, as well as a link to my previous interview with Ben Yenny in episode 33. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. You'll find us on the web at ministryofmotionpictures.org. What we do in life echoes in eternity.